Hey everyone, welcome to the Summer of Wisdom series here at Orchards. Um, this is our summer podcast where we're going over wisdom literature. And my name is Daniel. If you're new, I'm one of the pastors here at Orchards. And with me today, as always, is the illustrious, the distinguished, the remarkable. Hi, I'm Rick. <laughs> This is Rick Vogt, Daniel's co-pastor, yes, at Orchards Church, and it's a delight to continue to walk through this overview of wisdom literature, the books of uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job this summer. Mm, yeah, and I've I've really enjoyed this series personally. Like, I've even listened back to old episodes and been convicted, like, oh man, I really do need to choose the tree of life every day. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm I, I'm convicted by just the truths of scripture that we get to go over in this podcast. And I hope you all are too. And yeah, I'm just grateful that we get to go on this wisdom literature journey together. So today is our part two of um, our two-part kind of episodes on the book of Ecclesiastes. And last week we talked a lot about um, Ecclesiastes and what's going on here? Who is the teacher? Uh, what is this word meaningless or vanity, the Hebrew word being Hevel? Um, and we didn't, we ended with a touch of hope from our last podcast, but today we kind of want to dive into the answer that Ecclesiastes provides for its own question of what, what do we do? How do we live with within a world that is so full of hevel, that is so full of this vapor that's hard to grasp. Um, and I think actually the, the first two chapters actually kind of point us in the right direction really beautifully. So um, the, the first like paragraph or so, the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes is this summary by the author um, talking about what the teacher is going to be talking about. And then the teacher beget, gets his own voice in verse 12 of chapter one, where he, he, you know, starts speaking in the first person, like I have been King over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied wisdom, in my heart, etc. cetera. Um, and we see this kind of like um, this circular meaninglessness or vanity of life. Um, and we see this really clearly in the teacher in chapter two, where he says, I said in my heart, come now, I'm going to test you with pleasure. Like I'm going to be as hedonistic as possible. And then <laughs> verse one ends, but behold, this was also Hevel. Or I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart, how to cheer my body with wine. My heart was guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on it folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Basically I did everything possible so I could pass on. This is how you live the good life. And verse four, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which water the forest uh, to, uh, from which to water the forest of growing trees. Verse seven, I bought male and female slaves, which had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks more than anyone who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and for the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of many sons. Verse nine, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. 
also my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure for my heart found pleasure in all toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expanded doing and behold, all was hevel striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Like this is, this is the pinnacle of, I have pursued every option. And he's even, he's even being so gracious. He's kind of doing it as a favor, right? Like I'm only doing this so I can pass on my wisdom, what I've learned from living this pure hedonistic lifestyle so that, you know, and he gets to the nth degree has bazillions of dollars has experienced every possible pleasure. And in the end, he finds it too is Hevel. How do you, how does that make you feel, Rick? How do you respond to the teacher's journey? (laughs) I have two responses. I think one is one of every man, every person is like, well, I'd like to have a shot at that too, because maybe I'd come (laughs) to a different conclusion than you did. So, you know, that was your conclusion. And yet... I know better because we have our own witnesses in our own culture who have done the very same thing. We look at the lives of so many of our athletes and our musical performers and and those who have made it rich and not withheld any pleasure. And they come to the same place yet without wisdom. And many of them die young and many of them die poorly and many of them finish life poorly. So they're really offering us the same conclusion over and over and over. And yet this author, this teacher, because he started the journey and he said it in this chapter and I, my wisdom stayed with me, he survived to live a better ending. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is this, it's this dark spiral of Hevel of, I tried everything and it was Hevel. And then he realizes it's all Hevel and chasing after the wind. And then verse 18 says, I, then I hated all my toil. Mm-hmm. seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he's going to be wise or a fool, yet he's going to be a master of everything that I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This too is Hevel. So then I turned and gave my heart up to despair over all my work. you know. And then if you go to the end of the verse, in verse 21, he goes, this is also Hevel and a great evil. So he's like, even despairing over the fact that it's all Hevel is Hevel in of itself. It's like, what direction do you turn? Life is meaningless. Pleasure is meaningless. Work is meaningless. The person who comes after you, this is all Hevel. It's all vanity. It's all like vapor. What am I supposed to do? And then almost for the first time, God enters the picture in verse 24 says, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God for apart from him who can eat or have enjoyment. And God steps into this story of pursuing pleasure and work being hevel and says, enjoy it. Hmm. Receive this as a gift. The work that I created you to do. The, the moment of stepping out, feeling the sunshine on your face, having a friend over, enjoying a good meal. This is God's gift to man. Hmm. And, yeah. Well, you, that, that, that was a very pregnant, hmm, 
Rick. I, oh, I was sorry. feeling I was feeling there's a there's a thought coming from that. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe not. I'm just I'm looking at the text as you're speaking, and I see chapter three that comes right after it, and there is. There is a redemption of it all, which is, I think, part of what you're saying, rather than a despair of it all and just forget everything. He actually re-embraces pleasure, re-embraces toil, re-embraces heritage, but with a very different view, an open-handedness and a less seriousness. Uh, I guess, I guess kind of like that old adage we always say about not taking yourself too seriously. Mm. The conclusion seems to be, don't take any of it too seriously, the work or the pleasure, or even the experiment of life. Yeah. Was that Jesus calling? Uh, no, it's not. I, I'd really hope so myself, but. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that's right. Cause chapter three starts off with like, there is a season for everything. There's a time to gain, to lose, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to be silent, time to speak. Just, and what I love about chapter three is it's an acceptance of what reality is. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not playing the victim card. It's, it's, it's not, um, I can do nothing. It's not challenging the status quo. It's, and by the way, there's times for all that. And I think that's actually the point here. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's, it's an acceptance of reality. Yeah. And from that acceptance of what is that life is a vapor, life is hevel, it is hard to grasp, it doesn't always make sense. From that, he says in verse nine, what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I love that hmm. about each there, there is beauty in these moments in savoring this time we have together, savoring these small things. Um, I just think there's so much power. There's so much power in that in just savoring these moments because God has given us things to be busy with. He's given us incredible pleasures. I mean, he didn't have to make food taste so good. He could have made us feeding ourselves just be like, yeah, go outside, enjoy some sunlight, I suppose. But he gave us like taste buds. What a gift. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Man. And or, or verse 12 says, I perceive that there is nothing better than for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Hmm. So good. And so we were simultaneously struck and prodded by this, this, uh, this vapor and difficulty that is work and what you're actually going to accomplish. And, and, and kind of like these big picture existential crises and then we're brought down to the simple, enjoy that bite of sandwich. Mm. Appreciate the flavor. Have a drink with a friend. I just sat down this morning and I had this little Cortado coffee with a good friend. And we talked for an hour and a half almost 
and we were swapping stories from our childhood and we were talking about our hearts and, and, and the summer and what God's doing. And it was so sweet. It was so precious. Now, and I, I and we're, we're beginning to get a, a response to the teacher's question of what do I do with all of life being Hevel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And again, to me, there's such a clear, you know, the book of Proverbs is very much in a way, <clears throat> but not exclusively kind of the young person's book. Uh, you know, you're told as a child, make good choices. And Proverbs really defines what good choices are. And it sets you up for this hope and this optimism in doing the right thing. And that's legitimate. It's legitimate for sure. But then as you get into mid-adulthood, you begin to realize things aren't always fair and good choices don't mean good outcomes. Mm. It's not just a cause and effect life, but there's something else at play. And that's where Ecclesiastes, it has that sense of aged wisdom and experience in life. And it can be seemingly skeptical, but actually more realistic than skeptical. And Mm. yet it still brings around a resolution after that which is, yeah, it almost comes full circle, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I love the simplicity of just appreciating what you have in that moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being grateful in that moment for what you have. Yep. Um, I, I, I just, yeah. And by the way, the Ecclesiastes goes on beyond chapter three, like verse four is like a really, it's a heavy or chapter four. Verse one is a really heavy verse. It's again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of the oppressed and they had no one to comfort them on the side of their oppressors was power and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive, but better than both is he who has not been and has not seen the evil deeds done under the sun. Like out of this response of appreciate life is this, and life is still really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and even this toil, this work that was given from a gift of God, verse four, is done from a man's envy of his neighbor. We're, we're jealous of our, our, our neighbor's house or car or herds or whatever it is. And so we go to work instead of to enjoy it, this work that we've been given to do, we do it to, because of envy. Our motivation is totally different. This is verse four of chapter four. Then I saw all the toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is also Hevel and striving after the wind. Mm-hmm. Man. I love this idea that we were created for work Um, in Genesis, you know, God putting Adam uh, and Eve in the garden with a job to do work, not being a result of the fall, but work being a primary part of being human Mm -hmm. Um, and seeing how that has even been captured and and brought a part of, and is a huge part of injustice and brokenness and oppression in this world Mm -hmm. when it's actually a gift from God to create and to mold and to shape and to bring his order and his kingdom into this place. Yeah. 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 So um, I think, 
I think so. If we're going to kind of jump ahead again, kind of trying to spend as much time as possible in the conclusion, the final chapter um, is is a great is a great conclusion. So starting kind of in verse, kind of in verse nine it is when the author. Well, actually, even before that, maybe. Um, verse eight is kind of the conclusion of the preacher talking because the author quotes him saying hevel of hevel says the teacher all is hevel um and and when he says says the teacher there it's not in the first person anymore and so that's kind of the end of the teachers the end of the teacher section uh which is most of the book and if i had to summarize the the conclusion of the teacher i think he would say everything is hevel but our response is to live like god is king so like live in response to his rule his authority so walk in wisdom and receive the gifts of the king as gifts not feeling bad about them not rejecting them not seeing the hevel in it but just receiving the gifts and saying thank you and, and walking in faithfulness. I don't know, Rick, what, what would be your summary of, of the teacher? I think you've hit the nail on the head. And, and it's interesting that you just read what is clearly a transition statement where the microphone is handed back from the teacher to the author uh, as if the, uh, the teacher had given a TED talk, but now the MC is going to take the mic back. And so the MC does what so many do, and they wrap up what they heard from the speaker, and hopefully doing it well, and I believe he did. Uh, and so he comes to this conclusion, meaningless, meaningless. And it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, taking pictures with our phones, and how so often, in a moment, um, we want to preserve it, we want to share it, we want to make something more of it than what it is, but in doing so, we can miss the experience of the moment ourselves because we've become a photographer. Mm. And, I, and I think back to the thousands and thousands of pictures I have on my computer, many of which I may never look at again, and all the hard work I did to archive and, and categorize and give meaning and form to it all. But in the end, I'm learning these days, sometimes I just put my phone back in my pocket and say, this is a moment to be savored. Mm. Because in a sense, the tra the ordering and the archiving and the collection of thousands of photographs and moments in the end won't mean anything. And who knows, maybe even one generation away, no one will know where that archive is or even care. Mm. And did I lose the moment because I was too busy trying to make more of it and trying to hold on to it when it's a vapor and I can't hold on to it. So I need to enjoy it while it's in front of me. Mm. You know, that is such a good analogy that I, I haven't thought of for this book. I think that's actually perfect. There's a, I don't know how many videos of fireworks I have on my phone. <laughs> uh, the, the emptiest of all videos, right? I mean, I mean they all look the same. <laughs> and they're just devastating because you can't do it justice. And here I am focused on trying to record like a fraction of the glory in front of me rather than just receiving the, the force of the explosion and the scatter of lights in the sky. Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
and just being so present and, and grateful here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think I really appreciate his, I really appreciate the teachers prodding and like poking at us about what we believe. Um, and even, even in the conclusions, the author says this in 12, um, uh, this is 12, maybe 10 and 11 says the teacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly. He wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed at the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd and in it, like a goad being like something you poke a sheep with to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I love to think of the book of Ecclesiastes as like a goad, like these truths that poke at me, that poke at me and say, hey, you're working so hard and someone else is going to take over that company one day or someone else is going to fill your position next. Mm-hmm. And, and there's two responses. One response is to go, well, then it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It does not matter. And the other response is, this job I have right now is a gift from God to be enjoyed and savored right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that is, I think that's the teacher's conclusion of how do we live in a world in a life so full of a hevel where if you look at anything hard enough, which many philosophers throughout history have done, you find meaninglessness in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I think one of the clearest examples in my head of this is I'm watching, you know, I'm raising two girls right now. One is five and a half and the other is uh, 15 months or, or so, something like that. And I'm watching them fascinated by things that to me have no meaning, no purpose. Mm. And they're enjoying them so thoroughly. Like, what was my, what was my daughter doing this morning? I was, I was in a sleep haze, but she was doing something. Oh, she was, she was grabbing a toy and putting it in front of her eyes and then setting it back down and then grabbing it and putting it in front of her eyes and then just setting it back down. And I was, I was bored watching her. <laughs> like just <laughs> It's like that old Brian Regan quote. When he's watching fishing, he goes, I'm not even fishing. I'm watching fishing on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just ultimate meaninglessness or uh, like utter vanity. And for her, it's so significant. She's learning and she's appreciating and she's growing in that moment. And I could look at that and say, hey, there's nothing there. But if I want to, I suppose I could put myself in that place where I pick up that toy and I just examine all the angles on it. And I appreciate the work of craftsmanship that it is. And I appreciate the feel of it under my fingers or the shape of, or the sound echoing back at me as I scream at it, like she did, you know, like, or what, like I can fully experience it. And if you look at anything in a lens, it can be hevel, but you can change your lens so quickly and appreciate life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So much to learn from a child. (laughs) Yeah. So true. Um, And then we get to the author's conclusion. Um, So we've, we've kind of had, we've got the, um, 
we've got the Koholet or the teacher's conclusion. Rick, would you read the last two verses of Ecclesiastes? So this is 12, 13, and 14. Yeah, and this is where we, we ended last week. So this may feel like a little deja vu. So I'll read these verses again. But we did we did prep everybody that this is what we were going to do this week is end with the or like, yeah, do the yep. conclusion. Yep, yep. <clears throat> so the author writes to conclude the book. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Wow. Hmm. So, Rick, what do you what do you think? Like, can you compare and contrast maybe the teacher's conclusion versus the author's conclusion? Wow. Yeah. What a good question. Well, my first stab at it would be, I hear in the teacher, the conclusion of experience, uh, and it's very passionate. Uh, and then in the, in the author, I hear the conclusion of the one who observed and considered the passion of the teacher. So a more pensive and thoughtful mm. uh, and a reasonable conclusion, and yet they mirror one another. So there's the conclusion of the heart, and then there's the conclusion of the mind but there's harmony. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's so true. Cause I think it's, to me, it totally reads as two different people uh, with, with different experiences and lenses. And I think there's wisdom, deep wisdom in both their conclusions. I think the wisdom of appreciating and accepting what is, is like a superpower. It mm -hmm. really is. It's accepting reality as it is not fighting against it, but accepting and, and in the midst of that acceptance, appreciating the life that you have, the life you've been given and, and appreciating the small things like friendship and love and food and drink. Like you can, one of the most basic human things is drinking water. It's so, it's so basic and appreciating a sip of water even if it's lukewarm water, even if it's even potentially dirty water is better than no water. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we have this experience or, but just a clean drink of water, it can be so deeply appreciated and it's the most basic human activity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, accessible, so, accessible to anyone. Ultimately, you don't have to be Solomon. You don't have to live his life mm, to come to the same conclusions and be gifted with the same goodness of life. So mm. in a sense, I think he's saying, please take my word for it. Please take my word for it and just enjoy each moment that you have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a, a time, this was maybe five years ago or whatever. Um, uh, there's this website where, people will come on and they'll say, Hey, ask me anything. And it'll be like, Hey, I'm a plumber. Ask me anything about my job. And people have a bunch of questions or whatever. Um, and one guy hopped on and said, Hey, I'm an app developer and I've become a millionaire at 25 or 30 or something like that. Ask me anything. And people are asking about his lifestyle, whatever. And one person asked him, you know, cause this guy lives in a massive house and, uh, 
lives in a massive house, drives these crazy fancy cars. And they said, so what do you do when you come home from work? As well, I come home from work, I'll make dinner. And then I guess I'll just pop in front of the TV and see if there's something new on Netflix. And it just, <laughs> it, it just blew my mind that this guy has more money than I will ever see in my lifetime and does the most basic human thing Mm -hmm. that almost every American does the end of a long day and you go, Hey, what, is there something new on Netflix? What's going, you know, yep. it's just, it's just incredible. And so appreciating what we have without all, anyways, all that say, I love the teachers. I love the teacher's conclusion. I think there's so much wisdom and power in that life in choosing to accept and be grateful in the midst of a life full of brokenness and oppression and hevel, really accepting what is and, and finding things to be grateful for. I think that's a beautiful conclusion. But then the, the author's conclusion is, is the conclusion of wisdom literature. Live like God is king. And that's the beginning of wisdom. Fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. Live wisely. Follow the commandments. This is the duty of man. You've been created. You have a purpose. Follow the commandments. Live like God is king. Boom. Hmm. And then the conclusion is, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I just think it's so funny how, like, funny, sad maybe, how how secretive I am with my own sin. Like, I'll mess up and be like, okay, well, I just can't let this person find out about it because they'll think worse of me. Or I can't think, I can't let, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just, I, I don't want people to know I sin. Even though sin is like <laughs> the most common denominator of all humanity. I go, I just, I need to hide my sin. And I just wonder if it's like a toddler trying to hide a candy bar. You know, like, it's just, you look at it in the scope of life and human history and you go, you're just being silly. You're just being silly. You're holding on to this little sin. Like it's so, it's such a big deal. And it's just so silly. You look silly. It's okay. Every deed's going to be brought into judgment. Every secret thing, whether good or evil, like live like God is king. Don't think so highly of yourself. Mm, Yeah. Just walk. I don't know. I just, the book of Ecclesiastes just blows my mind. It's such a good goad to think you know yeah absolutely absolutely yeah man well i don't know rick i think uh uh i i feel i feel like for this podcast anyways a little bit like verse 13 this is the end of the matter all has been heard i don't know i don't really know what else to say about the book of ecclesiastes i'm just blown away by the power of it mm-hmm. yeah it it really it says to me to always keep proverbs in your left hand and ecclesiastes in your right hand and every day you know figuratively speaking consider them both um they're kind mm-hmm. of that i in in the uh the play fiddler on the roof you know tevia is always saying on the one hand but on the other <laughs> hand and he's always holding this yin and yang of truth and who god is and why we're here 
And, and this is, again, it's just the same thing. On the one hand, make good choices. On the other hand, don't overthink it. Don't take yourself too seriously and enjoy the moment. On the other hand, make good choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because in the end, God will judge. But on the other hand, relax and enjoy yourself. And again, as always, the good life is lived in holding the two tensions well yeah. and not leaning too hard into one or the other. Oh, that's so good. And ending with some fiddler on the roof is always good. Right? Yeah. I'm sure. I think one of my favorite parts about that movie is how whenever he addresses God, he's, the camera's looking at him and he looks up and to the right. And that's where God is. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. What is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, if I were a rich man, then we don't have to do that. We don't have to go down the path of the rich man because Koholet already did it for us. The teacher already did. That's right. And we can find joy and meaning aside from massive wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been our Summer of Wisdom podcast. Tune in uh, next time because we're going to be going over part one of Job. Uh, we're going to do Job in part one, part two. And Job is kind of a response also to Proverbs, but rather than thinking about meaning in life, talks about what happens if you live perfectly and you still suffer, which I think is a really fascinating conversation. So tune in next time to hear us kind of talk about that. Thanks for listening.